Hey, this is Mark Parrish here from Northland Vodka, and you are listening to the Soda Pod. And welcome back to another mini episode here on the MNCAA podcast. I'm your host, Nick Max, and joined this week by UMD Bulldog aficionado Max Veach. Uh, Max, so as we're into the dog days of summer, yes, I said that very, you know, yeah. Pun intended, for sure. Pun intended, yeah. You can't um, escape no. that one. No, I'm in here all week. But um, as we are recording this here on Wednesday, the 28th, it is NHL. Draft day number one, so some uh, some surprises up top, some maybe not so much. Uh, so that's exciting. So some hockey news. Um, this is the time where the college hockey landscape is a little bit on the quieter side. Uh, so we thought, you know, let's check out on maybe some former Bulldogs or maybe some other Bulldog news. I think the most prominent one, Max, is uh, not the Stanley Cup, but the Calder Cup, a, a, a former Bulldog that used to terrorize offenses, getting a Calder Cup to his contest. We're talking none other than Minnesota native Hunter Shepard and also added another piece of hardware to his already extensive trophy case. Yeah, I mean, I said it online. I'll say it again. I'm going to praise it and scream it as long as I have to. All the guy does is win important hockey games. Um, you don't often see goaltenders leading their team to back-to-back national titles at the collegiate level, which should have been a three-peat. I'll say this again as well in the COVID-canceled season. Um, after that, you don't see those goalies last a long time in the, you know, AHL, ECHL, any of the other leagues that they're playing in and win a Calder Cup, among other things, and just not get a shot at the NHL. And I'm, well, we'll get into that, but the guy has been just outstanding throughout his entire career. Grand Rapids, where it all started, technically Cohasset, but yeah, we won't get into that, but right. From there to UMD, where the you know UMD pipeline for goaltenders continues to get great people from, and then from there two championships, like I said, and now a color cup. But even his first his first experience outside of UMD when he was playing at Hershey, his first three games, won all three, one goal against average, a nine six nine save percentage, and then he went and played in South Carolina to start the next season because they just don't value good goaltenders there. I don't I don't understand how how they make their decisions there, but the guy is amazing. Like, I, I, there's there's so few words that you can say, um, and they're all synonyms of one another. But <laughs> yeah, he, he just wins important hockey games. And not only is is he the you know leading piece or the most important piece of that championship team, he won the MVP for him as well. So like everybody else is noticing it. So fingers crossed that leads to maybe a little bit longer of a look next season with Washington or somebody else. And so, Max, that brings up the obvious follow-up question, right? And that is, you know, what is it that has prevented Hunter Shepard from getting, shall we say, a good, heavy look in the National Hockey League? Now, granted, uh, the Capitals, I think, are in a unique situation and probably have been for the last yeah. three, four years, right? Um, but even then, if you're in a win-now now window, as I think the Capitals have wanted to be, again, with uh, Ovechkin in the twilight of his career, trying to... Stay competitive, also chasing Gretzky, right? You want to go goaltender, back them up. But is there something with Shepard? Is it more of a team situation? Or is it possible, you know, we might see him traded to maybe get an NHL shot? Why hasn't he gotten that big shot at the NHL? 
Um, so I've got a couple of goaltender friends who played in the same kind of circles as him around the same time, a little bit before. Um, but they were they were in Hershey for a, a short stint as well, and they said that if you don't break through immediately there, you are stuck kind of in in purgatory. And the situation that you mentioned with with the Capitals and you know how many goalies they've got and just kind of how much money they were paying certain players and just trying to navigate those waters, it was always going to be an uphill battle for him to start with. But just having that mentality of the the goalie situation and the coaches there um, and having kind of a reputation for being a little bit more difficult to make it up to the next level through those ranks um, just kind of put him behind behind the eight ball. Because in, in my opinion, and it's totally unbiased, I don't care what anybody says, he's he's got the resume to earn a shot. Like throughout his entire post-collegiate career, both South Carolina Stingrays and the Hershey Bears, he's got a 2.48 goals against average, which is not lighting the world on fire, but it's a 9.20 save percentage as well. So the guy is continuing to perform basically right where he left off at college at an elevated level with all these other players. So to see that he's able to maintain, um, you know, a high output efficiency as a goalie, where does that stop? You don't know unless you give him that opportunity, which is insane to me that he hasn't gotten that yet. And he did get called up this year for a really short stint, but never saw ice time. I think, you know, from everything I heard, he sat in the locker room the whole time. I don't know that he even dressed uh, for any of it. So um, unfortunate to see that, but fingers crossed, we get to see it sometime next season. Now I'm not rooting for anybody to get hurt there to lead to that, but whether that means he's traded somewhere else or, you know, they're, they're willing to finally give him, you know, a, a better look. That's that's what I want to see. And it's it's I have no loyalties to Washington. You know, TJ Oshie's there, a nice little Minnesota connection, but he doesn't have anybody or anything really tying him out there. And uh, I I think he would thrive. I really do. So, Max, uh, we might get our wish sooner than we thought. So I just checked Hunter Shepard, technically an unrestricted free agent uh, entering next year. So uh, but it does sort of feel especially for Shepard's side right you're 27 yep. years of age uh you definitely need as a goaltender to find an opportunity sooner than later now yep. the other side of the coin is you've been in a washington organization for some time now um again now you got a calder cup to your record you've got a uh, calder cup essentially playoff mvp to your um you know there's some chips at the bargaining table so with the capitals i guess this is where they so the dichotomy is for a player right you want yeah. that shot at the NHL, but you also don't want to say overplay your hand. I'm not talking to you, John Klingberg. So, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but honestly, right. That's sort of the, you know, the position that he's in is he could go to market July 1st. He probably will. Uh, yeah. So let me ask you this, and I'm kind of putting you on the spot here and I apologize, but where are there openings for a goaltending? I can already name a couple, but there are some there. Question is he's not an NHL level goaltender per se, Right. So could a team essentially take a shot on him because they could A, get them cheap, which if there's one thing going for some of these NHL clubs, they're cap strapped. So he right could now, be that. For sure. Right. He could yep. be that option for the next one or two years once we get into more cap rising friendly territory. Any teams come to mind? Um, so I won't name teams specifically. Rather, I'll go with a couple of different situations. So similar to what Minnesota did or started to do, what their intention anyway was when they when they ended up trading for their their current Hall of Fame goalie, even though most of his Hall of Fame record is in <laughs> Pittsburgh. Um, it's an older goaltender spot where you've got you know you're going to need to give him a couple of games off every now and then. That's largely going to be your goaltender 
probably for a couple more years, but you've got a spot on your roster to fill where you want to get that guy a couple of games off. And that's the perfect spot to plug in somebody like a, a Hunter Shepard, who's got what's going to be an extremely low payroll for NHL standards anyway, and eager to get in there. And it doesn't matter. He's not going to be, you know, feeling like he's behind the eight ball or behind anybody else unfairly. Like you're learning or theoretically behind what should be a really great goaltender who just needs some time off. You're, you're getting a little bit more reps. It's probably a pretty good team if they're willing to just spend that much on a good goaltender and just have you along for the ride. And that's not how I see it, but that's how a lot of clubs see it. And I think that would be the premier scenario. Now offhand, I don't know that you're going to find many clubs that operate like that. Mm. Um, I'm really struggling to think of one that stands out right now, but it's out there. I, I I really do believe, especially in today's NHL, where they are trying to get the elite goaltenders more and more rest, and a lot of the teams are going to to split goaltenders, which has its ups and downs as well. At the very least, they want to get those guys um, a couple of days off, especially on a lot of the back-to-back games, which the Wild have a ton of. Not saying you would go to the Wild, but just you know, stream of conscious here. But um, yeah, I, <laughs> it's kind I, of I would MO, say that that's <laughs> yeah, that is that is best case scenario for him is is finding somewhere where he's immediately going to get plugged in in these games, and those are tough scenarios to be put in as well because if you are on the second half of these back-to-backs, all the guys in front of you are are dead tired as well, so it probably leads to a couple more opportunities and things like that for your opponents but if you can thrive in those situations and step up that's that's all the more attention for you as well so i I think that's best case scenario for him so it is and you know speaking of best case scenario you know sometimes a change of scenery uh is the best way to do it right now sometimes it's by your choice which it would appear if things don't change by saturday hunter shepherd's going to have that opportunity to really kind of control to a sense, what he could do with his future, right? Right. On the second hand, some other Bulldogs have had a change of scenery, but not to their choosing, right? Right. Um, now, a much-needed, shall we say, change of pace happening in Winnipeg. There's a lot more to come. Yeah. Um, let's, let's talk about the Bulldogs heading a little bit closer to home, but maybe to a situation where this is one of, if, if you're a, a Jets fan and probably even that locker room, one of many moves yet to come for uh, for Winnipeg. Yeah, um, I would say that it is almost definitively not his choosing, but Alex Iafalo making his way to Winnipeg from L.A. Um, all There was a nice write-up about him and all the surfing he's gotten into since he's been out in L.A. for, for a long <laughs> time now. And, you know, he got a new deal relatively recently and was feeling more and more comfortable there. So seeing him get traded is probably a bit of a shock especially after the the good postseason he had i know he had a couple injuries and was sitting out for a few games this past season as well but he was he was a good player i mean he was positive you know it was over 10 like 14 or so on the year mm-hmm. um you know under 20 goals not really a goal scorer but he's in the right position and gets the puck in the right spots and um i think winnipeg does need that um they've been traditionally a, a more midwestern central division bigger physical team and so finding some of these niche guys that will get into those spots but aren't afraid to kind of muck it up for lack of a better term is great and so getting him there um the the one positive or maybe it's the only positive i guess i don't know but like you mentioned there's there's already bulldogs there and some guys that he's familiar with so neil pionk is up there uh, dominic tonado is up there and i think uh Carson Coolman, Coolman. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. if if he gets re-signed, I don't know if he needs to be re-signed. I guess I I, I would need to look he at that. He does. Um, he's okay. at U of A plus uh, on the back end. How about Dylan Sandberg, who I thought actually yeah. played pretty well uh, his first really big taste of the NHL this year. Sixty-three yep. games played, eight points, but he's he's not that type of player. He's more of a shutdown right. defenseman. Uh, yep. You know, bone crushing physicality if you allow him the time and space. Um, <laughs> should they just rename the Jets? You know, the Winnipeg Bulldogs. We're certainly getting there. I think Max. outside of the wild um i want to say that that's the closest nhl franchise because it's, it it's be. either that or chicago so at least from a driving standpoint but i mean it's it's familiar i mean everybody that that you've mentioned there i shouldn't say everybody um pionk and sandberg for sure with the the ties to the the northland anyway um they they grew up in a very similar area to that it's it's not like you know la where alex Hollow was or some of these these much larger markets it's it's a hometown like a small feel for a big city and a fan base that really really enjoys hockey and i think all of those guys in duluth played the style that winnipeg has traditionally played since they came back there i should say um but i i think it is a place that every one of them could find a a good footing in and and fit in really really well continuing forward. It's not any doubt that I have that Neil Pionk is going to continue to thrive there. I mean he's he's one of their bigger pieces and has been for for some time now since he was traded there as well. Um, but I I don't see that changing. So him and I follow are going to be the anchors and I think you know for sure pieces. But those other guys I think can have a, a role in there as well. And we've we've seen it other places for Bulldogs. They're they're not going to be your top top six guys. Um, on forward, or they're not going to be in your top pair on defense. Usually, no, those they transfer to Michigan State. Yeah, I had, I know. Yeah, and, uh, to to know that that was, you know, certainly from everything that we know. And granted, that's not the full story, but seemed to be, uh, yeah. shall we say, a, a, a discrepancy in how the games played. And probably, yeah. a little but everybody young, seems young to be coming. Yeah, everybody seems to be coming back to the central division for the Bulldogs, which is great because it means I get to see them a little bit more, even while watching the Wild. But we're talking about all these guys in Winnipeg, all the strong connections in Chicago. Um, we've got Perunovic down in St. Louis, and you know, it just seems like everywhere you're looking in the central division, you can find a Bulldog somewhere, which is awesome. And there's a couple in Seattle, and you know, we'll see about realignment and where some of these NHL teams end up um, after Arizona inevitably moves, but. Uh, I'm not so sure, Max, and uh, I say that not because I still don't think that's a possibility, but uh, recent reporting as of today, and this ooh. is coming from our Michael Russo uh, of The Athletic, uh, so apparently six very, shall we say, like almost sure discussions happening on sites within Arizona, okay. um, but you and I both know the game, right? Yeah, we have, We've seen this movie before. We're hoping that, shall we say, the destination or the ending is different, right? Because um, let's say that between the lines, right? And I think this is an appropriate time before we transition to, to com- conspiracy theories, right? Because we do this <laughs> here on the MNCAA podcast. But essentially, he didn't call, all right, say it, but Gary Bettman essentially made the notion that the clock is ticking at his pre-Stanley Cup final press conference. So he's not saying it word for word, but for the first time, really acknowledging that you know, the time is against us. And again, Mulder Arena, really the whole reason they're there in the first place was, okay, we have a future plan in place and this is strictly temporary. That was the whole reason this happened in the first place. They yeah. don't have that now. You, right. The NHL owners, right, you're losing revenue sharing. Uh, not only you're you're putting money into a building to 
get it at least NHL ready. It's a temporary housing, right? Um, it sounds like Salt Lake is the preferred really? destination for NHL. Now, this kind of shocks me, um, not only from a broadcast rights perspective, but also uh, just from what an NHL fan base standpoint, because Houston's been the name, right? Doesn't really? sound like they're number one. It sounds like Salt Lake's number one. And apparently, they could happen right this second. So that's interesting. Very, um, very interesting, right? Here's something else that's interesting because, I mean, come on, the Coyotes, I mean, they're pretty close to Area 51. So, I mean, come on, let's do it all, right? But our own uh, our own Drew Cove, a.k.a. the uh, doppelganger of Kyle Dubas, uh, yeah. asked a question to our group chat, which is kind of kind of interesting. And, and this is where, you know, we can, you know, cue the, uh, the music from, I forget the sitcom, jeez, uh, way back in the day. Oh, gosh, help me out here. My old brain. Do I need to put my tinfoil hat on? You something and, and push the start button and just make sure you slam the door. Um, <laughs> imagine the X Files here. Let's go with that. Um, yeah. That wasn't what I was thinking of. The Twilight Zone. Of course, it would come to me secondarily. Um, he Did said, you call hey, it a sitcom? Kind of. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. Kind of. I mean, it's not the today's sitcom, but I mean, it's kind of. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, to the actual thing, he, he asked the question Hey, Veach. Um, do the Peacocks know the Brattons well? Because he says Aaron and Neil just seem too coincidental. Yeah, he having might, those names, he back might be onto something, right? He he could be very well could be. I mean, there's when you're talking about growing younger players or just the hockey community in general, especially in Minnesota, and even when you want to get into the tighter communities in northern Minnesota, like a lot of those guys. They see each other, whether it's at a summer camp or development somewhere else or these kind of elite teams where you're mixing players. Like, even if you're not on the same high school team or college or any of these other places, like, you're going to kind of get to know some of these other guys. And that's been that way for a very, very long time. And so to say that their dads could have gotten, you know, a, a couple of beers one time or another and gone the route of, of naming their kids after one another and it's not out of the realm of possibilities or just kind of an ode to people that they were watching at the time or playing with. Yeah. I mean, it's possible. Uh, the probability of it, I, I can't speak to, I, I guess. I don't know that there's people I could ask and you know, maybe it's worth looking into, but yeah, I'll get this, back to you on that. This, this seems like a, a job for a detective, maybe from England uh, <laughs> you know, and, and, and Watson, you need, you need a psychic Watson, I think. Yes. Yes, I do. Um, yes. Um, Match Veach uh, real quick, uh, just to kind of round up things. Uh, getting closer to the Minnesota Wild pick here yeah. uh, for the entry draft. Um, a little shock, at least for me, at least as of the second. I'm trying to refresh it because uh, let's just say this. I feel like it's. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh gosh, I can't even. I can't even remind myself what I'm. You know, essentially the last time I just kept refreshing the Twitter screen. Uh, but I still believe Oliver Moore is still available. Really? Uh, nope. He just, of course, in true Minnesota Wild <laughs> fashion, he goes to Chicago via no. the Lightning at 19, two picks early. So, okay. So, well, can that question. Um, but, you know, here's the age old debate. Um, it's been shown in the past that if you draft on positional need, the chance of, shall we say, missing on that is actually higher than best available. Yeah. If you're the, uh, the GM of the wild, are you picking on the positional need, which for the wild center and probably a defenseman, or are you picking best available? So it's always difficult for me in hockey specifically, if you're not getting one of those top five, maybe you can stretch it to 10 picks. 
the likelihood that this player sees the ice for your team on the professional level, like the top club in the first five years is pretty low. Like it's, it's not great unless you're taking a kid that's a long shot from a country that you trust that they're going to be able to get out of whatever contracts that they're in. So I think you have to take best available. I don't, I don't think you draft on positional need. I think, you know, especially with the wild and how much cap room they should have two years from now before this player would even get here, you can make trades for that positional need and fill those holes. Not that they've ever done that at the center position in the history of the wilds organization anyway, (laughs) but theoretically you could do that. And I, I think that that's why you draft best available player, because if you've got the best asset, if you've got six number one D and you've got a you know forward core that's full of second and third liners, I think you're you're good. You just have to play to that style. And if you're unwilling to do that, that's where you kind of run into problems. But I don't see that you draft for position in hockey specifically. It's different for other sports. Football, they play right away. Basketball, they play right away. Like in hockey, I think the development timeline is so uncertain for a lot of these guys. And we've seen it with some some higher draft picks for the Wild as well, where it takes them a long time in Iowa or other spots before they finally make their debut. And at that time, the landscape of the the, the team itself has, has changed so much that they're probably not playing where you thought they would anyway. Yeah. So let me ask you this, because I actually, for once in my life, agree with you on this. I'm kidding. Ooh. I agree with you more than that. Um, but here's what the wild has set themselves up to do they're doing exactly this so max when the 14.7 plus million in cap hits come off the board now mind you they still have four years left of the combined like 833,000. yeah uh, so still something there but not nearly you know the anchor around the ankles that they're experiencing the next two seasons including this right. one coming up uh how many players they have signed in 2025-26 any guess um they're free agents through 26 or ending in no so how many players are under contract starting 25 26 so this would be the first year after the uh the next two seasons of 14.7 um boldy spurgeon and technically caprizov has one more yep. i think um uh, but i don't know that there's a ton past that i would say five you're close six of them <sighs> So it is Kaprizov, Bully, Erickson, Neck, Freddie Goudreau. Remember, ah, oh, that's right, extension. Freddie. And then it is uh, Spurgeon and Brodeen. Um, okay. That is it. So why that's important? Because at the end of it, you're supposed to have a giant cap raise after this year because the escrow will be paid off. Yep. Um, so that's going to help a little bit. But then all of a sudden, you're going to open up, what, another four? So potentially, what, 18 to $20 million in extra yep. cap here? Um, it's pretty obvious what Bill Guerin is signaling here. He's already essentially taken care of the people he wants to stay around for that. So you built a core right. veteran and young guys. So you can either trade or you can go out there in free agency July 1 for the NHL is a Saturday and you can actually open your checkbook again. Yep. The question is, Max, and we'll end on this. And yes, this is far away from college hockey. But at the end of the day, does Craig Leopold, even after the Suter and Parise contracts and the way that they just sort of played themselves out, which I would think there was a risk that he knew that this oh, yeah. could eventually happen, right? Does he do it again? Meaning, does he go out and spend big money, actually get that number one center, or 
Did the Wild play too cautiously? And, and let's not forget Kaprizov, final year of his deal, of his five-year deal. And at that time, he's 26 right now, if I, I recall so. correctly. 26. I'm just going to confirm that real fast. Yes, 26. Um, do you almost have to go big in 25-26 and put together a cup run? So this has been my issue with the Kaprizov contract since the day it was signed is he is he will only have one year left on his contract after the the large sum of these other two come off. So we won't be able to put anybody next to him at the center position behind him, wherever else on the roster that can support him in the ways that we would want to, to make him want to stay before that last season. So Mm -hmm. if he goes into that last season with kind of a sour taste in his mouth and just not making as far in the playoffs or not, you know, lighting the world on fire for lack of a better term, then you kind of start to form some tiny little bits of resentment, possibly. Um, If everything goes well, this is totally a moot point anyway. And I hope that that's the case, but I can see it being, being an issue where, Hey, you know, I had four bad years or mediocre years in Minnesota where I was good and the team was fine, but we weren't going anywhere. I'll play out my last year and that's it. Even if they have a good year that last year, is that one year good enough? And can you build enough trust in that one year with all your extra money and everything else kind of coming to fruition to make him want to stay? And that's just the pessimistic wild fan having seen everybody good leave and have success elsewhere coming out in me. And so that's that's what I don't want to see. And so I think they do need to kind of ramp up as much as they can, getting some of these bigger pieces and bigger talent. And it's going to be difficult. You're going to have to make some really tough decisions, letting two you know, solid second liners or maybe a second and third, and if you're lucky, go in order to bring one good guy in and hope you get a younger guy coming up at a cheaper contract to fill his spot. And, you know, if we can get a, a young goalie, fingers crossed, everybody knows who I'm talking about, to come in and play on a cheap contract for a couple of years, that goes a really, really long way because goalies are getting paid now. You you saw it with Florida and a couple of these other teams that are paying north of $10 million a year for goalies. And I don't think that the Wild are ever going to do that. Maybe they'll be lucky enough to find a goalie that is good enough to, to kind of carry them and, and deserve that contract. But um, if you're able to get away with some of these younger goalie contracts where you can spend fully on all of your positional players, we're 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 in that boat right now. It just has to fall in place, and it's risky. Don't get me wrong; it's it's a, a big roll of the dice here. But yeah, I mean, I I think that you do have to start bringing players in. Maybe not this year, but after this season, you have to have your core guys. Like you mentioned, you've got those those six players that have those contracts extending past there. And then after that, you need to start bringing in more core guys. You have to find more Freddie Goudreau's that maybe not the top of everybody's list in the league but has played well in your system, is a good locker room guy and consistent. Like the, the the waves are fun when you're at the peak of everybody, but find me a guy who's consistently above average and can play well night in and night out. And I think that's that's kind of what I would prefer. Hunter Shepard, we've seen, that's pretty we've much seen, him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've seen like Fiala was great. He was phenomenal. He had really, really high peaks. And then the playoffs came and he was a completely different player. Give me somebody that's going to be a little bit closer to the north end, but doesn't have as low of lows. And I think uh, also one thing I hope that once we get to next offseason, more college free agents get signed because that really is kind of 
gone by the wayside. Uh, again, a lot of NHL teams preferring at yeah. least some NHL experience with their, uh, shall we say, uh, wallets crunched a bit. Uh, yeah. So hoping that, uh, you know, essentially that that opens up a little bit more of a pathway again to sign some more of those free agents that are undrafted because as uh, say Carson Coleman was one of those folks undrafted 100%. out of Duluth and then gets an opportunity uh, to coming through uh, Blake Lazat, former St. Cloud State also uh, yeah. and some would say undersized, but again, you can earn your way to an NHL contract and both of them had pretty decent careers so far. So um, Max, any final words here as you wrap up this week's uh, uh, this week's uh, edition of MNCAA still refreshing yeah. the Wilder on the clock as we speak. And I have not seen the pick just yet. Uh, but uh, any parting thoughts here as we are approaching the 4th of July? Um, yes, two final, well, one final thought, two names. Um, the Holinka Gretzky Cup um, team, I guess the tryout, whatever list was announced today. Two Bulldogs, future Bulldogs, I should say, on there. John Stout, Adam Clever. So shout out to those guys. And it's nice to see representation at that level for kids that are, co- I, I call them kids, guys, whatever. They're younger than me, they're kids. I, that's just how it works. Kids that are yeah. coming up and, you know, assigned or have links to your program that you root for from a college perspective. And I don't have any doubt that both of those guys make that team and, and have good success there. As a defenseman, it's going to be kind of hard to, to put metrics to it. Um, but it's it's really exciting for them, exciting for the program. And it just goes to show you that. You know, the recruiting that UMD is doing is paying off and whoever is in charge of that, whether it's, you know, Kraus or somebody else on the roster there, um, they, they know what they're doing. Yes, they do. Uh, pick is in and the Wild did select Rosemount native and Maverick 2.0. Sorry, Wisconsin Badger. Charlie Strammel. Oh, really? Number 21. Yes. So that is the Wild's first round pick. Uh, I believe they do not have a second round pick. Um, in this draft, actually, I take that back two seconds. They won't have a pick until five, six, and seven. So still a couple of, uh, shall we say, important selections. You can still find some diamonds in the rough oh, yeah. into the second round. But Charlie Strammel, Minnesota native, coming over to the wild um, here in the entry draft. Again, pick number 21, Max. Uh, that's going to do it here for uh, this episode here of MNCAA. Uh, Max, any 4th of July plans real fast? Oh, yeah. Going up to the cabin. We're going to try and do as much of the outdoor work as we can up there. I don't know why we save it for the fourth every year, but we do. But there's enough of us up there. We tackle it pretty well. And then after that, it's, you know, my bachelor party, a different guy's bachelor party, um, the All Pints North Festival. Um, shout out Mankato Brewing, Bent Paddle, Beaver Island. All of them will be there uh, up in Duluth. And then we get into the wedding season of, of all those bachelor parties. So the rest of the summer is booked up, but this weekend is the last really um, relaxing one, we'll call it. So looking forward to it. Enjoy yourself, Max. Have a happy 4th. And to all of our listeners, happy 4th of July to you. We've got some pretty fun content coming after the 4th of July celebration. So stay tuned for that for Max Beach and Max. And thank you for listening to this week's episode. Stay tuned.